Always makes me feel good when I see you dancing to that, man. Uh, I can't ever not dance. <laughs> I well, went several iterations with that with my kids when I was making it. My kids were like, nice. yeah, dad, that, that doesn't work. And then they were like, yeah, you got something going now. You got something uh-huh, going. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. Welcome to Winnie War Cry, our tabletop and beyond podcast. We're glad that you have joined us. Um, I had some weird things happen just now, and I'm wondering if I'm delayed a little bit again. But all right, Justin, I hear you just fine. Yeah, you yeah. sound good. Okay, good. All right, I, we're I good. realize I also realized too I'm not using my fancy microphone. I'm using my other one. But if you think I sound good, then I sound good. Sound great, man. You're definitely using a fancy webcam. You're coming in like triple HD. Mm. I yeah. do have a fancy webcam. You can yeah. see 4K. My eyes can't even perceive how incredibly crystal clear your webcam's coming in. I was thinking that the other day, too, when I was looking at you. <laughs> what it does do is it shows how incredibly thin my beard actually yeah. is. Yeah, yeah we're going to get to this stage where we're going to have to start wearing makeup to do these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, go back, we'll go back to crappy webcams so we don't have to. Exactly. Then. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, we've got an awesome show today we are going to talk about the recent reveals that uh at warhammer fest we're going to talk about sylvaneth which is i think an interesting war band that has a lot of potential that not a lot of people are playing and then we are going to talk about terrain and how to best set it up for your war cry games so let's get into it real quick hobby table jason you're up go my hobby table is pretty empty right now because I'm in between warbands. I'm trying to figure out what I played a lot of death. I played a lot of destruction. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And I'm either looking at chaos or order right now, which is great because I think we're going to talk a little bit about order today. So hoping next time to have something on my hobby table right now, it's blank as I'm kind of mulling through to figure out what I want to do next. I literally have not finished that Zinch Warband that I complained about last month. <laughs> I have put some more paint on it, but it's just, it's so rough. Um, I took a break from it to assemble a Rocket Trogoth, and that kit is incredible. First of all, my Rocket Trogoth is carrying a goat. He has a nest of birds <laughs> on his head. The, I mean, it's just that incredible. In that comes in the box. So the box only makes three Tragas, but you know how so many kits, like I have the Bliss Barb Archer kit and it is kind of monopose. You can work really hard to make it not monopose, but this Rocket Tragas box, you've got at least 90 different variations of Tragas you can do because there's like for each set of legs can go with each torso which each torso can then have at least four different right arms and left arms that you can miss and match mm. yeah and it's it's really crazy i think they've got like 12 heads in there that then can go on all the different bodies that are all sort of interchangeable nice. yeah nice i got a rock gut tragus from our friend andy um on the show like he used two of them and he's like here i'll sell you my other one Mm-hmm. I bought that from him, and I just need to assemble it. So now I'm kind of curious what he left me in the box, you know? Because like maybe he left me a whole bunch of stuff that I can. Play I bet you have a ton of stuff of in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm really excited about that. So yeah, very cool. Dan, what's on your hobby table? I guess you were talking about Rocket Trada. Sorry, I just totally did that. But um, 
you talked about how you haven't finished your Zine Tour band. I'm still working through the last of my bone splitters. I'm like this close mm-hmm. to being done. But what has kind of occupied me while I've been trying to do it, I'm going to try to show this on camera. This is my storage, Warcry storage container. The virtual background's messing with it a little bit. But you can kind of see if I tilt it, maybe. I don't know. It looks it's terrible. Anyway, <laughs> it's a box. Um, it's got these trays that your your models slide in. It's called the Warganizer. You can find it online, W-A-R-G-A-N-I-Z-E-R. Some quality um, wordplay. Yeah, organizer, and um, I just realized that I really need something to take my models and all my cards and all my tokens and all my dice in like one thing to a tournament. And like this box is the perfect size. It's really like um, it's probably like eight inches by eight inches by twelve inches or something like that. You know, I mean, it's really not that big, uh-huh. um, and um, it just it fits everything you need it in there. I want to make one for um, Warcry and another one for Kill Team. And I, that way I can just have all my cards and tokens and measurement tools and all that stuff in one place and just go, you know, and not have to worry about like, oh, is it in this box or, you know, like, do I have it in this bag? And I have like 30 dice in one bag with all the tokens and I have to dump it all out and sort through it. And like, it'll all just be organized for me and then I can just game game with it and just throw my models in there and go. So I'm very excited about that. I've um started a new job where I'm working from home. So I've had my 3D printer going like it's literally five steps from where I sit right here. So I've just been having that sucker go like constantly. In fact, my kids were complaining about it the other day. Every time we come downstairs to change the laundry, it's just beep, whoop, beep, whoop, beep, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, and you will enjoy it. So anyway. Yeah. Are they missing out on their laundry zen time now? I mean, what? Apparently, you know, yeah, apparently. It's like, like, Dad, it's making noise when I'm doing laundry. I'm like. Yeah. their only escape from him yeah. you know is when they do laundry <laughs> and there you go you're everywhere in our lives i see it more as probably an excuse to try to not have to do their laundry they're like uh, i just can't take the noise anymore uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so anyway but yeah i gotta finish my bone splitters and then i honestly think i might switch to um painting up i have a kill team that i need to paint up and try out so i might swap over to that real quick but my next war cry one is definitely my horns of Heshut. I need to get those painted up for sure. Like they've mm-hmm. just been staring at me with like looks of guilt and shame that you know I I can see them <laughs> yeah. right now staring at me. They're, They're like snapping at you from the background. Hey, yeah. hey, yeah. Yeah. hey! <laughs> These you bull built horns aren't a while ago. Paint, yeah. These yeah. bull horns aren't going to paint themselves, buddy. Yeah. You know. So yeah, the horns of Heshut are going to be my next one. But I still have a whole bunch to paint course you know of course so anyway uh yeah cool hobby table let's talk about our um let's talk about our news that we have coming up so let me pull that up and i i think i did this to where i don't need to um uh i don't need to uh share my wife's uh gym memes oh yeah yeah (laughs) you know so yeah i figure out what happened with that like what was going on there i don't know i think i opened up a picture but like all the pictures were there and so like when i tried to like move in i was scrolling and it just scrolled along the options it was my laptop it was doing weird things stay motivated that's the important thing that's That's right right. that's right (laughs) all right so i'm going to kind of zoom well i don't have to zoom in all right so here we go 
This was revealed at Warhammer Fest. In fact, this is the official recap that they gave. This is the Nightmare Quest box. We knew this box was coming, and we pretty much knew that it was going to be Stormcast versus FEC based on the potato can leaks that we talked about in our last show, right? Um, And so when this came out, everybody was like, oh, my, I'm so surprised that it's Stormcast versus Flesh Eater Courts, you know, but... Of course, it's nice to see the models that um, that we have, and I kind of like these models, but I kind of feel like they're still a little Stormcast derivative. Like I feel like we've seen all these models before, just maybe with a little bit of different flair, you know. Um, they're Stormcast with belts, or maybe like they're Vanguard, but with Thunderstrike armor, you know, yeah. something like. I think that must be it. Is that people feel like they're? I've got some Vanguard back here somewhere. Yeah, it's like they're these vanguard guys because you know we've got the straps on them. We've yeah. got the mm, you, you know straps right here. In right. fact, this is the back of this guy is really, really serving up the same energy as these guys are. Um, Does it show the back on this one? Uh, it doesn't show the back, but I just mean like yeah. you know he's got oh, a cloak. He's got lots of straps going on. Yep. But um, but these are in Thunderstrike armor and. You know, I think the Thunderstrike armor looks a lot better than the Chonk armor that, that these guys are in. So, yeah. I yeah, think that, another thing with cool. the sculpts, I think another thing with the sculpts is the Stormcasts are always very like stoic posed of like stand your ground. So it's not, they're not real action shoddy poses that give a lot yeah. of variety to the, uh, to all of the models in Stormcast. They're all just kind of standing there holding their ground, all of the models. Yeah. yeah. And it looks really good when you have like, like 10 of them in battle yeah but yeah. i can see it not really looking great in these uh you know little skirmish in these kind or i think they look good on the table i just mean like in these pictures you know when oh, they're just yeah, straight when they're on just, yeah you know that's a yeah. good point yeah they can i mean stormcast can look very like if they're painted where they're real shiny and you know like kind of that knight and shining armor type of thing you get them on the table and they 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 do stand out, right? They yep. they command yeah. attention for sure. Well, and they um, I yeah. I like the chunkiness of Stormcast. You know, mm-hmm. like I've got this this little Slanesh guy who's you know like half the I mean she's actually on a <laughs> never mind she's she's on some rocks so she's the same size as that Stormcast. But they're <laughs> you know they're very striking figures in the in the scale of the game. Yeah, yeah. I think they're great looking. So um, we've got here, right, um, you've got the, the leader who's kind of like the, he's got the Zandira, is, is that how you say her name, Zandira? What's uh, the? Kalthia Zandira. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got the same kind of pose going on with the lantern, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is, looks like a, a retributor-like pose. Yep. You know? Um, but I am uh, not a fan of two-handed weapons in uh in modeling in general it's okay i just find them so annoying to paint but all of these have um variants so if i can get away with it i mean if the two-handed weapons are just way better than everything else you know i'm enough of a gamer i'll probably make some two-handed weapons but uh if they're even like debatably similar level of power i'm definitely going to go with the the multiple one-handers because i actually yeah. do think that the poses on the multiple one-hander weapons that you're going to get to next slide look really good but i assume you wanted to talk about this lord relictor 
I mean, I, I, you know, I do like a Lord Relictor in my army for his ability, right? Like, I wonder if he's going to kind of keep that same ability. I mean, he is a Lord Relictor, right? So mm-hmm. um, he's either a Lord Relictor or a Knight Relictor. I don't know which one, but Knight Relictors also have kind of a cool ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes. So, um, and, and he's a Paladin, from what I understand. So I wonder if he has the three inch range that those other ones do. They don't. He doesn't have the same. Um, it's a pretty. Same, uh, like, I think it's the weapon. lantern guy with the halberd who's a paladin. Oh, is he? Okay, this guy's the paladin over here. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So he's just a great blade, I guess. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's called. Yeah, it's a two um, minimum, at least. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This one. This one with the two swords. This is my favorite of the whole group. I like it. I like it too. I think it's. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I like his helmet. It's like a lion head on top of his other head. Yeah, yeah, I think it's you know? cool. I don't, I don't know that I would paint that all uh, golden. Like I would, if I were going to go metallic, I would paint the lion head like silver or something like that, so that it stood out and looks more like kind of a cat that he's wearing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But um, I do think it looks cool. Big reason to do custom storm hosts is you know so you can have control over that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, and then we're getting into the uh, Royal Beast Flayer. So this is the Flesh Eater Quartz. Um, you know, they are, what was it say? They were, they used to act as uh, gameskeepers for the Vampiric Kings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would stock terrible beasts, innocent by, or innocent bystanders, and uh, that threaten their noble kingdom. So, um, what's interesting is you've got, you know, this kind of leader. He's not really a, um, he's almost like an upgraded ghoul rather than like a, a, a horror, you know, a crypt horror. Because um, he's not as big as a crypt horror, but he's not, he's like bigger and more oofy than a little ghoul. You know what I mean? His transformation from ghoul to crypt horror is not mm-hmm. quite complete, right? Maybe he's only feasted on half of the meal that his his leader has <laughs> left on the table. Yeah. And we get the other half of the think, beats. What do you think about his skeleton hand knee pads? I was looking at that and I'm like, you know, would that could that work? I think it could. <laughs> you know, like I mean, you'd have to tie the bones together because nothing's holding them there like together. Like all the flesh is gone, right? But right, those bones are totally desiccated. There's no way that cartilage is still working as cartilage. Yeah. Right. But you know, he's got it under his skin, and that's where it stays. So you're never gonna lose it, right? Right. That way. Um, and uh yeah, I mean that's kind of cool. Like if you need someone in the face, it's almost like a pimp slap. <laughs> you know. <laughs> True. Yeah. I hope this guy's flexible enough to do moves like that. <laughs> And then obviously we got our little ghoul. He's probably the uh, I would say he's kind of similar to the um the crypt ghoul or not the crypt ghoul. What is the one above him, Jason? The courtier. The, the crypt courtier. Yeah. Like the one that's like just like got stat profile yep. just above like the little yep. lowly mm-hmm. guy, you know. Um I imagine his stats will be similar to that. What you have interesting here are these awful hounds. Now they're spelled O F F A L. I think they should be spelled A U F. UL because, or is that he's called awful? A W F U L because I don't like them. I think they look so ugly. I hate them. Really? Uh, I hate them. 
Interesting. Well, no, you're not a flesh eater quartz player, though, right? I'm so, not. like, that aesthetic yeah. is not necessary. Jason, you you go way harder into FEC than I do. What do you think here? I think that they look like. Uh, oh God! I just had a just had a brain stop, but they look like, like baboon dogs. That's what I was looking for. They look like monkey, or they look like bamboo dogs. I am struggling with them. Um, to be honest, mm. I am. I'm struggling with. I think they look a little too dead because the thing about flesh eater courts is they're not zombies. Yeah, that's flesh fair. eater courts are real people. They're just they're just mutated because of the flesh that they've been eating. These mm -hmm. things look like undead, a little bit undead monsters to me. And I I, I know yeah. if you kind of look closely, maybe that's not true. Maybe it's really just because that one has like a missing eye, and they've got kind of the the you know their the, noses. There's the something noses. about their noses that look dead maybe it's just the way yeah. it's been painted but i i agree the noses look like a dead thing's nose yeah a dead thing yeah i hate this part of the pose here with the two floppy legs up in the air they kind of look like things that are fluttering off of his back yeah Do you know what i mean the, like i was excited weird. yeah i was excited to see some new flesh eater quartz models but i don't i'm struggling with these to figure okay. them out right now yeah, I don't know. I do. I like do agree. Them. The one at the top looks better than oh, the totally. one at the bottom. The one at the top's the better one. Yeah. yeah, I like the one at the top quite a bit. Um, I like the weird, the skeleton who's stuck in his hair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but um, I like that it did happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's um, you know, a lot of the ghouls from Flesh Eater Courts have portions of skeletons stuck in their in their hair that's grown off of their bodies too so i think yeah. that that ties it in a little bit better actually having the skull stuck in the hair but um okay it might it might be the paint scheme too it's just, it's a color that's not normally associated with flesh eater quartz anywhere on the table hmm. but it's yeah. supposed to be different it's supposed to be a beast yeah. like like a beast right. you know order inside yep. of yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, interesting. All right. And then these guys. So you got more crypto. I like these guys actually a lot. Yeah. It's a good evolution of the ghoul yeah. aesthetic. Mm -hmm. and I think you got to be careful not to paint them as zombies if you're going to stay yeah. with the lore. But yeah. Mm -hmm. it, and this guy's getting dangerously close to zombies. He is. He is. Yeah. Um, is this a bow? I think it's a bone dagger. I think I it's think hard so. to see, but I think it's a bone dagger. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting if it was a bow, you know, if they threw one ranged guy in there. Uh, yeah, that would Here's be because, some... yeah, the only Here's ranged, the only ranged okay. right now is the. Um... Are there ranged in flesh eater courts? Yeah, it's the crypt. Um, well, the crypt. Um, uh, not crypt horror, but the crypt flare. Doesn't that have a ranged ability? It has a scream. Yeah. yeah, but it's yeah. just an ability. Like it doesn't. That's an ability. It's, it's not, not a. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a profile. Yeah, yeah there, I don't think there's any other range. <clears throat> yep. Mm -hmm. Um, here's some more ghouls here. I love these ones. Like I love the, the ears. The elite and stuff. ghouls are cool. It's these yeah. two, and then the one on the previous. Yeah, mm -hmm. just with the little helmet situation. I think that's cool. Um, because they don't have you know if you do the sort of Bretonian, uh, equivalents, right? They don't have they have peasants and they have knights, but they don't necessarily have like 
your men at arms, right? right. And these kind yeah. of these kind of do that. Oh, I like that. And I do like how I mean the paint scheme that they have here, like they've got, you know, like some darker skin tones of like what that would look like if they became mm -hmm. ghouls as well. That I think is a cool paint scheme to to think about. So yeah, the ears are interesting <laughs> because the ears are starting to look more vampiric, right? And and the lore and flesh eater courts is the uh, uh the 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 kings and the abhorrence those actually are not ghouls or they're not flesh mm -hmm. eaters they're vampires that are leading yeah. their legion in the great um, illusion right yeah um, but these guys have ears that look more like vampire vampiric mm. to me so I don't I don't know if maybe maybe there's something special about these guys maybe it's... maybe they're like minor minor nobles like a baron or something yeah. like that you know what I <clears> yeah. mean rather than yeah. like yeah, because you, know? you know, if you read the lore between, behind Flesh Eater Courts, you could kind of, the 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 ghouls, the cryptors, the flares, those guys are all living the the grand illusion, right? Yeah. They mm -hmm. think they actually are knights in shining armor and all that. But you yeah. could interpret the lore that the actual kings aren't they know what's going on. Like yeah. it depends oh, on how okay. you read the lore, right? Because they're vampires that have come in are like they're they're actual vampires. Sure. That have come in and have like taken over the Bretonian. You know, how do you say it? Breton Bretonian. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Taking those people and kind of fed them into this nightmare that they're living. Uh, so be, yeah, the, I like these guys a lot actually. Their poses are cool. Their menacing yeah. faces. You know, the, these could be fun to paint, put on the table. I love yeah. the skull. Um, yeah, totally. Here, it uh, gives me some Rottmeyer Creed vibes, right? There's uh, some dudes that had like skull masks that they were mm -hmm. wearing and, and popping so that was pretty cool yeah and, and when i painted my ghouls i noticed so many of them are hunched over so much that yeah. you can't really see them once you've painted it yeah. like you work hard if you know if you do more than just slap chop the ghouls you end up feeling like what did i do all this work for because yeah. you can't you're, see you're them. Working too hard yeah but now these actually will reward you if you put a little bit extra into them because you can actually see the face you can see the body of them and, and i think that's cool yeah absolutely absolutely so if you were to split a box with a buddy which warband would you want i'd see if i could uh get my buddy drunk enough to give me both warbands and then he <laughs> takes the terrain <laughs> you're not a fan of the big pyramid in the middle yeah. uh it, it's fine i would like the pyramid if it wasn't just with the same two trees but with the two trees not having like cool extra stuff to them you know like at least with the last set the two trees had those palisades so you could make like a little fort right yep um yeah this it's like the the pyramid is cool but the rest of it i mean it's been covered by plenty box. of people now. Like I think the general yeah. approach was a bit of a mistake for the way they did the terrain in this uh, season. Yeah. Uh, this is yeah. interesting. Uh, I kind of agree. And this is interesting because if you read the, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, if you read the book on how you should set up terrain, I think it actually says in every quadrant of the board, you should have at least two substantial terrain pieces. Uh, and when you look at this, there's only three substantial terrain pieces in the entire box because all right. the other stuff's just like scatter stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Two of the scatters are pretty big. Um, at least in my box, my Sundered Fate box, I think it's the same scatter sprue. Two of the pieces are are pretty legitimate, but the rest of them are basically nothing. You know, you yeah. just go right past them. It's an interesting yeah. board. Um 
I don't know. We'll see. I would love the pyramid, but I just don't know that I want those trees again. I mean, it's the same. I don't even trees. know about. I don't even know about the pyramid. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Warcry is that you know the terrain is. It's not blocking the board. You move around the train, you interact with the train, you climb the train, you get up on top of it. Here it's like you're almost knocking out a quadrant of the board. Mm. You just can't play That's on true. Right? Yeah. Well, that. we could climb up. I'm not climbing up. It's like a turn and a half, the movement to get up there. Yeah, yeah. not only that, but you can't even stop halfway up, right? Like it's not got enough. Um, there might not, be like rules for that. I mean, you can't put your miniature halfway up, is what I'm saying. Like you'd have to like wobble model it, right? And say, oh, like, yeah, oh, wobble model. You can't end your activation halfway up, yeah. which I think is a weakness here. Um, yeah. And unless they have like specific missions that come with the box yeah. that reward you for getting onto it, I agree. I'll just see it as like here's a giant column of the board that I can't go on. You know, I'll yeah. treat yeah. it. All my models will treat it the way my mounted models do basically yeah. um yeah i mean in general i think something that it hasn't been an issue for me but I, one thing that i think would make Warcry better is if there were just more situations that encouraged you to go climb on top of the terrain because right. i do think you know my games where i'm doing that are more fun than my games totally. where i'm not and you know i feel like it only happens maybe a third of the time would you say mm -hmm. you actually climb on the terrain fair. Um, yeah, sometimes there's missions and sometimes like, you know, I mean, it's missions like we played one at um, Adepticon where like you had to be like you got victory points when you were up on top of the terrain. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you know what happened in those games, though, with me? Everybody got up on a terrain and just stared at each other. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I, I don't so. like those because it's like you have to get onto the terrain. Yeah. Which to me is the exact same as you can't get onto the terrain. Right. 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 It's in terms of like gameplay, how much mm -hmm. I like it. Like I want. I don't know. I, I, I want two levels, I guess is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, or yeah. two levels being legitimately used. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So going back to the question, if, if somebody, if you're splitting a box, which warband would you want? And oh, now we realize that yeah. nobody wants the terrain. So, you know. <laughs> so it's tough. I actually do like both of these warbands. I would say my favorite one of this season so far has been uh, Jade Obelisk, but these are right up with Rottmeyer Creed for me, like right behind Jade Obelisk. Both of them are. Um, I guess I would go for the Flesh Eater Courts, but it's Ooh. it's pretty close for me. I would have I would have picked Stormcast Eternals for you, but uh, that's cool. That's cool. What about you, Jason? I'm not sure. I was thinking about getting the box to to try my hand at Stormcast because I've never played Stormcast before. Mm -hmm. I would say I'd probably really be salivating over the Flesh Eater just to add to my Flesh Eater army, except I don't like those those dog thingies. They're, <laughs> they're turning me off from the whole thing for some reason. I don't. Okay. Fair I want to look at I want to look at the stats to see if I can build a list with the rest of them and just avoid the mm. the houndish whatever they are yeah. things. Um, thing, or maybe just proxy a different model for him. Yeah. yeah, maybe. I'm really curious about. So, in the article about specifically the Stormcast band, they kind of implied that all of them are leaders. And oh, the one hmm. that they showed had the leader rune mark despite mm -hmm. not being, or had the hero rune mark despite not being the leader of the band. 
And if that's the case, then I would go for the Stormcast because this is just a team of six guys that can go into all of your order armies, like all six of them. That's amazing. And then only one of them has to be good for, you know, that purchase to eventually feel like something that you love and and get a ton of mileage out of because then, you know, the one that you have, like, for example, I have a buddy who has Askergan True Blades. Yeah. And, you know, he plays the the whole war band a little bit time to time but for the most part he's kind of disappointed with how they play on the table except for the leader and so he feels great about the purchase because he just he puts that leader in everything he's got he's got two other death armies already and so he just like he puts the leader in always because the leader is really good and and that makes it worthwhile um yeah so so this guy Mm -hmm. i mean he's not my favorite model but he's he's reasonable and it only takes one or two good ones in the warband for then all of a sudden I can ally them into every single order warband I've got. So you know, this that... is a good profile. I mean, 165 for a guy who moves for toughness, five, 20 wounds, four attacks, strength, five, two, four damage. Like that's, that's a decent profile for 165. That's uh, better than, yeah. um, that's better than the, um, savage big boss that, um, is, uh, 185. You know, hmm. so yeah, I mean, that's well, that's not true. Savage has... Big Boss goes three six on his damage. Yeah, um, and has charge. Yeah, um, I think it's all about for me if that if the ability with that rune mark is any good. They didn't show it in this article, so we have no idea if this right. guy's ability is any good or not. If it's good, then this guy's amazing. If it's not good, then he's like, he's okay filler. If if he's not good, but. Every time they sh- they do these previews, they show one of the fighters. They know they know which ones are good and which ones are bad. Yeah. It's always the most average one, you right. know. Like there's always a worse one in there, but there's always at least two that are much much better. So yeah, yeah. Um, this is I think what you're talking about, right? Where it says "United as a band of heroes." Yeah, right? totally. He's, and then he's, he's got still... the hero rune mark there. Right. So exactly. who knows? Maybe it's a he's... misprint. Maybe it's. There's a special rule about it. Oh, I don't think it's a misprint, right? Um, the two abilities that they did show, actually, I think they showed three abilities um, and their uh, reaction. Um, I thought that their abilities that they did show for this were pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, this double of like being able to take down an enemy fighter and then make a bonus move or bonus attack action. Sure, it's situational. Like if I've got an extra double that I know that I'm not going to use, awesome. You know what I mean? But I think that's hard to plan for because sometimes you just don't know if you're going to kill that guy. I mean, yeah. if they've got like three wounds left, sure, maybe you'll probably end up killing it, but who knows? You could whiff, and then you just, you know, it. I don't think it's, it's really you can good plan in on. ogres. Ogre Maw Tribes has it, yeah. and it's good yeah. for them because they know they're going to get the kill, <laughs> right, so they exactly. they don't want to. So they know they're not going to use the dice. Um, I mean, the biggest, toughest Stormcast could get could get use out of that. I think. One of the Stormcast Chambers does have that for their leaders, mm-hmm. and it's good there, but uh, yeah. we'll see. I mean, if there's a really killy one in this group, then then that'll be good on that one. Yeah. Um, the Face Me Cowards, I like this one. This is a net, essentially, right? Where enemies that begin their activation within three inches of this fighter cannot make disengage actions or end move actions further from this fighter. So... 
I think that's that. I mean, you essentially made a, a net with just a triple, and you don't have to roll for it. You know, I think it. Yeah, I hope the fighter who's carrying that is like impossible to kill, because otherwise, yeah. you know, they can't. They are allowed to just pile into him and attack him. Whereas, you know, a netter who gets who nets them and gets three inches away. They can't kill the netter. They can't, you right. know, they can't run into That's the true. netter. Here That's they true. can at least go attack they can that still guy. Go back in. Yeah. But if you do something like, oh man, like imagine running towards a deployment group, not getting within an inch of them, but doing face me cowards kind yeah. of onto the side of them. And then all of a sudden, none of them can go to the objective. Right. Right. And they've got like five guys and none of them can go score points. And then like that kind of helps catch you. I mean, maybe, right? There's there's potential there. Um, so so this is this the guy who has this is the twin bladed guy, right? It's the twin as a oh. So I'm gonna guess that he's toughness four twenty wounds. That's a storm cast. Toughness four that would be the first toughness four. That would be the yeah. first T four storm cast. I think it, I mean how's yeah. that possible though? He's wearing the armor. Yeah, but he doesn't. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, I'd say toughness four. He's uh, wearing the same. They'd have to. I'd say they'd have to model a different armor on him to be toughness okay. four. So you're thinking old prediction for Justin. There uh, we go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, but generally those, you know, your twin bladed guys are always one less toughness than your other. Usually, dudes, you know. Yeah. So anyway, um, so I think it's interesting. Um, you're right. It's not like a true net because they can still come and kill the guy. And then yeah. once he's dead, then that ability is over, right? So but I want I this do... on a tanky guy. So it's kind of yeah. too bad you telling me that it's on the double sword one, because um, mm -hmm. I want it on a really tanky one. But but that's okay. We'll so see. you're right. This guy here is a knight relictor, not a lord relictor. Oh. Okay. So he's got some different things. He has the quad that is translocation. Now, Jason, in our last episode, you asked Dan, like, can they just make quads that are like that you would take over? rampage you know i think this is one of them you know i mean i think i think this is a strong option to take over um rampage you know um i think it is situational a little bit but it's not it does it's not so bad that rampage doesn't auto take over this you know because it allows you to pick a friendly fighter within three inches of this fighter Remove that fighter from the battlefield, then immediately set them up anywhere on the battlefield more than four inches from all enemy fighters. What's cool about this is that you can pick a fighter who's in combat. You know, it doesn't say they have to be, you know, not engaged engage with an enemy fighter. You, so somebody could be getting their butt kicked, and you're like, I just need to save that guy and go cap an objective, Boop, and out he goes, right? Now, you have to have a quad for it, of course, but you don't have to have a great quad. You can have any quad, and... Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I I think I would use this, and I would try to use this as often as possible because that gives you some incredible movement for these, um, probably movement four, sometimes movement three storm casts, you know. So, um, I I just don't think rampage is such an auto take with this one. Is what I'm saying. If you got a quad on round one, you should absolutely use this to to forward press your uh, slow storm cast. Oh, yeah. dude, quad, like quad this guy, like use the quad here and yeet your little double bladed dude and go like tie down a whole battle group with your <laughs> other guy, right? Like that would be amazing. 
I don't know that it's possible to have a quad and a triple in round one. I think you have oh, to. That would be hard. Yeah, but if I you got a quad, if you got a quad in round one, you could throw him over there, and then in round get him and get him doing something, and then in round two, you could most likely have a triple if that's what you were going for. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, like you, you could eat him to a upcoming deployment group, yeah. and then the next round you freeze you that deployment yep. group in place. Totally. Yep. Oh my yeah, that's gosh, a great idea. That would be amazing. That makes sense. Yeah, I think this is a. <laughs> yeah. I think this is one that, um, that could be used in. That's an in, interesting outside combo. of rampage. Yeah. It definitely seems busted in treasure missions, right? Because they <laughs> they find they catch up to your treasure carrier. Well, they're not going to kill it right away, so you're going to have time. Then you go and you use this quester soul sworn, and you just point put it on the other side of the battlefield. Um, I'd like to point out that yeah. um, I think every time you use this, um, because we have now trademarked, you know, the yeet for this, you've got to yell out yeet every time yeet. you pick them up and send oh, them out no. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where yeet came from, but oh, uh, it's guess... a, it's definitely not us. We can't trademark yeet, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But I think with the quester, Kanye is very Soul litigious. Sword. He would get involved if <laughs> exactly. we tried. <laughs> We just need to, but you know, I'm, I'm encouraging all of our listeners every time they use this ability, go yeet <laughs> and send them on their way. Um, okay, let's talk about this reaction though. This is the last thing that we'll talk about with this box, but I think that because we haven't seen the preview for the um, for the flesh eater courts, I believe that's probably coming out tomorrow. Um, you know, after this recording, but this reaction is amazing. Like it is so good. Uh, a fighter can make this reaction when they are targeted by the by a melee action. After the damage is totaled, but before it is allocated to this fighter, if it is enough for this fighter to be taken down. So basically, you know, your fighter's going to die. He knows he's going to die. Um, you can, if he's got an action left, he can use it as a reaction. What you do is you pick another friendly fighter. That fighter makes a bonus move action or a bonus attack action. It doesn't say within three inches. It doesn't say within six inches. It's another fighter anywhere else on the board that you can basically make a bonus move or bonus attack action. I think yeah. that's really amazing. Because, like, you're you're basically saying, yes, I know my guy is going to die. He didn't get a chance to fight. Somebody else is going to be able to do that for me. So, yeah, really cool. Really, really good. Um, one, one of the better reactions I think I've seen in the game, to be honest with you. I think it's really good. It's incredible. And I think that it's important for them to do that for Stormcast because Stormcast are so big that you don't want like it's not worth it to ever give up an activation to use mm -hmm. any of the universal reactions, right? Um and so it's it's good that they have a really powerful reaction to kind of match, you know, how yeah. To be equivalent to one of their regular actions, I guess. And and you can say this. The most that this will ever happen is five times in the game. Because there's <laughs> only six fighters, right? Sure. So the most that this could happen is only five times in That's the game. That's a lot, though. I, 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 the most the it could ha ever happen is one time in a game. I don't think you'll ever get this to happen more than once. Well, no, I, I okay. I, what I'm saying is the most it could happen is five times. I agree that it's only oh, so like, like there's once. a lot of room to push it from a design perspective. You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah sure. exactly. Right mm -hmm. where where you can you can say like 
I mean, it's not like, oh, if they're if they take a certain amount of wounds or something like that. It's like if they're going to die and they still have the reaction, then you can make a bonus one. Like that's a really powerful Do you think reaction. It should have but... been and in that case. Cause it's so hard to especially when you're playing Stormcast, your opponent is always in the driver's seat about like I've only gotten Thunderous Departure off a couple times because mm-hmm. it's like you know, so, there's there's so few times yeah. you can use yeah. it. So there's a key here that we need to make sure we don't overlook. You have to choose to use the reaction before you know you died. Um, a fighter can yeah, make this reaction true. when they are targeted by a melee attack action. After yeah. the damage is total, but before it is allocated as fighter. If it isn't enough, then you yeah, can do well, this. Yeah, well, you know you're going to die. Oh, you might not. Oh, I don't think that's you might not. obvious what? to me. With a toughness know. five? Yeah. With so a toughness at, five? Yeah, I often think on... Hold on, hold on, hold on. After the damage is total, you know how much damage is coming. Look, look at where the comma is. After a okay. fighter can a fighter can make this reaction when they are targeted by melee attack action. Okay, comma. One. Yes. After the yes. damage is total, before there's allocated this fighter. Yes. If it is enough so, for the fighter to be taken down. Period. Okay. Yes, but it's after the pick damage is total. Fighter. You know how much damage is total. So yeah, you're you, saying you that you pick choose before it before you're targeted. Yeah. Like you pick when you're targeted, aren't you? Don't you? No. I would say you no. pick when you're targeted. When no. they're targeted after the damage is total. Oh, okay. You could say there's two commas here. Yes. <laughs> you could say it's at the first comma or the second comma. Hmm. No, this is all. This is all. No, you're grammar. right. You're right. It's the grammar. Grammar sucks. Yeah. Grammar's hard. Yeah. yeah. It's because they have like three commas in this sentence. Yes, they do. They do. The whole world is mad at Watsy right yeah. now, but this would never happen if Watsy was in charge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the real clause, the real clause is the after the last comma. If it is mm-hmm. enough for this fighter to be taken down, period. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So you pick the reaction if it is enough for this fighter to be taken down, period. Yeah. They had to add that clause in there where it's like totaled but not allocated, because once you allocate, they are removed from the battlefield, right? Yeah. And they yeah. can't do anything. So um, but yeah, so you know they're going to die to yeah. use the reaction, which again yeah. is another good thing because you don't have to guess like you would with counter yeah. or something. I think like it, that, I think right? it's a great reaction. It's gonna help, it's gonna do a lot of decision makings. People will decide, well, should I take a hit from that storm cast or should I k- try to kill him before I hit him? Because if I try to kill him before I hit him, somebody else is gonna swing somewhere else on the board. So I think it's it's gonna be very react, it's gonna cause very reactive play from both sides. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is which is great because that's the point of reactions is to have engagement from both uh, both sides. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing is that it is a melee attack action, so you could shoot them and kill them, and they don't get to use it. Yeah, there's a there are several things that are very yeah. melee focused, or or use an ability, right? You could use like a charge ability and kill it, and it wouldn't get to use that reaction. Yep, I get the melee attack action clause for thunderous departure. I don't think it makes any sense here. I think I agree. Like, from a <laughs> from a fluff perspective, you know, if my buddy gets shot, I'm gonna be just just as mad as if they get stabbed, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? I'm still yeah. gonna do swift retribution yeah. on the yeah. person who shot them. So well, that's I don't the balance, get that. I guess. Yeah. That's the mechanic yeah. balance, maybe. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what Flesh Eater Quartz comes out with uh, before. Um, I think, personally, I'm going to end up getting these warbands, but I don't think I'm going to get the box. I'm just not interested in the terrain. I've got enough of those trees already. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think it's worth me spending almost $200 on this box that, like, 
is half the size of even the Heart of Gur box. I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, yeah. and Heart of Gur was light too, in my opinion. You know, so yeah. Anyway, not uh, it's shrinkflation is happening in our in our Warcry <laughs> boxes. You know, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll get we'll get to that more when we talk about terrain um, yep. in general after we cover Sylvaneth. Speaking of which, let's get on to Sylvaneth, right? Let's uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, like I said before, we uh, I was hoping that we could um, talk about a war band that's been around since the beginning. I believe Sylvaneth had, you know, a, cards in the original 1.0. Um, they may not have been the best, and I think that that sort of discouraged some people playing with them. But um, they do have um, a lot more options they've uh, in the in the digital compendium that they released they added the new models that they had in the release um i don't know if that was for good or bad because i i don't we'll, we'll talk about some of those models but um i think sylvaneth is worth looking at because they do I, I think that they can be very competitive they have a lot of tools they have a lot of op they they i wouldn't say they have a lot of options but there are good options in their warband so um well, they have yeah. a lot of bad options, too, yes. is the funny thing. And I think that is part of why we haven't seen, like, a ton of successful Sylvaneth lists. I've been uh, compiling uh, tournament data. I've got a 1,000 games now tabulated. And Sylvaneth are at 40% win rate. But I'm pretty sure it's just because of how many bad fighters are in Sylvaneth that uh you know i don't even think count as options um but i agree with you they also have good fighters and they have good options in there so let's start by looking at their abilities um i think it's always good to look at their reactions you know because i think that's uh, uh comparable they have vengeful vengeful spites it is available to all sylvaneth fighters a fighter can make this reaction after they are targeted by a melee attack action but before the hit rolls are made for each hit roll from that attack action, allocate one damage point to the attacking fighter. For each critical hit, allocate two damage points to the attacking fighter instead. This is just a like a reverse it's shared counter. fate, mm -hmm. right? It's the same yeah. as uh, yeah, as the Sylvaneth or sorry, the Slanesh one. Yeah, yeah. share the pain. Or yeah, yeah, shared pain, not shared fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's good, right? I mean, it's it's not good enough to build around, in my opinion, but it is good, and you're happy when you when you use it. I think it's. I, I think these are one. This is one of the best reactions for chaff. I mean, it makes it gives so much more value to chaff in the game. You know, because you're guaranteeing if your chaff's going to get killed, it's guaranteed to do damage to the person attacking it. Mm, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Um, are there any abilities in here for you guys that stand out as uh, especially um, good? I mean, I. I love the the spite rev triple or double and the um, tree rev triple. Most okay. of their abilities, I think, are pretty bad, but they just have so many abilities that you know. Yeah. They managed to score two pretty good ones in there, and you know they've got a plus one attack buff. Yeah. So the double that you're talking about is the shrieking terror, which essentially is about is like a net, right? Pick yeah. a visible enemy fighter within a number of inches of the uh, this fighter equal to the value of this ability and all the dice. So I've always enjoyed abilities that use the value of the dice as the distance. You know what I mean? Because I feel like if you roll a low double, then that, I mean, there's still consequence to having a low double 
versus a high devil, right? Um, I've always felt like the um, the uh, dragon maul should be a number of inches equal to the value of the ability rather than just straight up six inches, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so they use this here. Anyway, on a roll of three plus until the end of the battle round, that fighter cannot make move actions or disengage actions. So um, built-in nets with all of your spite revenants. All of them have it, essentially. And it's on a double, which... Um, we saw um, Eric Ochter, who is a, kind of a Nova resident here. He um, is one of our tournament uh, guys. He played Sylvaneth at the Nova Open last year, and he used this one to great ability. He netted um, our friend Casey's uh, Override Myrmidon like four times in the game. Like, and the guy just wasn't, he couldn't do anything, right? That's hilarious. He just, he just basically had this little, this little uh, tree spite babysitting the ogreoid and just be like, okay, I got a, I got initiative. Cool. Net. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Net. Cool. Net. You know, and I mean, it just, there's nothing, nothing you can do about that. Right. And so you have a little like 70 point, I won't say how many points, but around 70 point model, like tying up a 300 mm-hmm. something point model for the entire game. Right. So it's really good. <laughs> It is good, but it's also one of those like it shows that while the game is fairly balanced, there are situations where you can come to the table and just not be able to play your game. If you yeah. just roll initiative dice such that you can never win initiative and this tiny little model can throw a double at your 300 point and never be able to play it, it's it's just an example that there are ways for the game to make it so that you can't play your side of the game. I think, mm-hmm. I think though, I yes, I agree with you. But I think, though, that you have to have a lot of things going for you in their favor to be able to do what Eric did. One, you have to win initiative every single time, right? <laughs> Otherwise, that override's coming and trampling that poor uh, that poor tree spite, right? So you have to win initiative every time. Number and you two, need an opponent who only has one threat. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, opponent that has one threat. Number two... You have to have the dice that equal the value of the ability. So, I mean, if obviously if they're one inch away, then they're one inch away. But, you know, like if you could you could roll a two on the dice and be three inches away, right? And yeah. number three, you still have to roll a three up. You could whiff on the on the. You, you could. Up. Agreed. Agreed. I was just making the statement that it is possible, as we saw, Yeah. to yeah. the game still has mechanics that allow an unbalanced game to occur. Yeah. Yep, is what I think. I think I Dan's do. point is really good, though. Oh, yeah. I won't <laughs> talk then, since you're giving me compliments. Please continue. <laughs> no, I mean, I think your point's really good. That if you have more than one threat, then it's, you just bring that other threat over and demolish that tree spite. Well, uh, unless there are multiple tree spites, it's yes, but yeah, you got to have more than one threat. Period. Yeah. Right. Because if you just have one threat on the board, then they can just neutralize you multiple ways. Yeah. 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 Very true. Um, the um, tree. I like swarm of spites. My opinion. Swarm of spites. Yeah, that, that uh, I think it's it's one. a way to to finish off people with a double. Mm. Uh, right. So you if you get a oh. if you get a four, you roll yep. four dice on a, every four plus. You allocate one damage. Those those times where you just almost but don't kill something, and you yep. really needed them off. Throw the ability at the end, and do a couple so, more points. So this is like the Lord Relictor's ability, right? Except the Lord Relictor does it on a three up, but the Lord Relictor's ability is a three or, or is a triple, not a double. So yeah, I yeah. do like that for this, the the swarm of spites. Um, and you have six inch range here, so it doesn't yeah, have yeah. to be something that yeah. you fit like your fighter failed to kill. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, 
what's the fighter this is on? I, th- I feel like I remember it being on a pretty it's on the branch profile. Witch. Yeah, I don't love that branch witch to be oh, honest. Yeah. And it's only on Uh-oh. the branch witch too. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the the branch witch the all of the well, all of the range the branch yeah, just the branch witch has a terrible flatter profile. Yeah. You know? These 6-inch move fighters often, you know, you can have six inch move and a good ability. Okay, you don't get anything else good for that point. You know, right? And that's—I <laughs> don't think that that's a good enough ability to make up for this fighting profile. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a good get, point. You're gonna like, let's say you get a, you get a six on the value of the dice. You're gonna get three of those that get through yeah, with the you, four up. You, you're better off using just larva shafts to uh, increase the strength of that shot attack to try to do a three six damage sure. or yeah. two hits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we gotta we gotta stop burying the lead here on Enrapturing Song, right? Yes. Um, or sorry, no, it's 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 walk the spirit uh, path. Walk the spirit paths. Yeah. 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 The walk the spirit paths is probably the best ability, and it honestly it makes you need to take tree revenants. Um, because at least one. At least maybe one. not multiples. Yeah. Yeah, because with this triple, you get to remove this fighter from the battlefield and set them up anywhere on the battlefield more than five inches away from enemy fighters. So this is essentially what we were just talking about with the um the yeet ability of those stormcast, except that one's a quad and you get to remove somebody else. This one's a triple and you get to remove this model. Um, mm-hmm. I would take this one over that one every time, um, because this is a triple. And you get to do it on this one's activation, right? So, um, yeah, it's a really good one. Um, in that same or in a different game, Eric Octor won the treasure mission handily that we had with this guy because he just kept moving it from you know board corner to board corner to board corner. It's and... the only time I've ever seen someone loud mad at yeah. a war cry event, I've seen people quiet mad. You know, literally every 1v1 game I've seen people quiet mad before yeah. because certain you know certain things happen, right? But loud mad, I've never seen in Warcry except specifically in that instance. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was upset, that guy. Yeah. He was like, Why can't like I can't even get to him? And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I just yep. <laughs> like he And know. it's a great it's a great, I think, man, like, because Sylvaneth are hard to play, but it's a great example of they have the tools to just win games, even when they don't necessarily beat their opponent's warband. You can win games with them because of, you know, Shrieking Terror, because of Walk the Spirit Paths. Um, you You have a lot of stuff you can do, and there's so many ways to get creative with how you use this, whether you're teleporting a treasure carrier out of combat, whether you're teleporting onto an objective that was mm-hmm. way far away, or if you've got one hundred and fifteen points to spare in any order list, a lot of people bring the one ten one that's uh, just a really cheap way to get the thing, but for five more points, you actually have the ability to teleport and then actually be in combat because there's the uh, there's the profile with the spear. 
mm-hmm. uh, and that has two inch range and yeah. that combos with the four inch reach. And so you have to be at least five inches away. So you can actually teleport and get an attack in, which is uh, pretty spicy in terms of knowing that there's nowhere on the board that they can. You know, I mean, it's not the most impressive damage profile, but it's it's a fight it's an attack and so there's nothing that you know a fighter with one or two health can can do to not be attacked by you yeah yeah definitely i mean i think that this is their best uh their best ability um a couple of honorable mentions i think is the um I think if you use it right, the draw from the spirit song could be good. It's a double and you get to remove the number of damage points up to the value of this ability. Like that could be very helpful in a pinch. Um, it's a little bit better than um, the recover, the universal ability that, that there is out there. Um, I've activated call to battle, you know, it's okay. not, it's okay. not embarrassing. Um, yeah. It's reasonable because that fighter has 10 inch uh flight and oh, so yeah. okay. you know it's it's reasonable and uh 10 inch flyers are obviously so much less important than they used to be in Warcry. but mm-hmm. um if you just really love your arch revenant you can definitely play it and you'll find times when you want to do call to battle especially with the uh, what is it the scythe kurnoth hunters which have very yeah. few attacks but each attack does a lot of damage yeah so let's get into um, let's get into the fighter. So one thing that um, the Sylvaneth have an abundance of is heroes. They have a yeah. lot of heroes, um, and like the whole first, there's two pages of fighters here, and the first two pages or the first page is all heroes. Um, now a lot of them are kind of the hero variants of the fighters themselves, so that's why they seem to be flush with. Uh, flush with the fighters, you know, or, or with the heroes. Um, but let's talk about the Arch Revenant, because that's always kind of like, you know, thought as a, sometimes like the de facto leader. Um, he's got an okay, <laughs> okay attack profile, like has four attacks, strength four, two, five. Um, but because of his movement 10 and the fly ability, like he's 260 points. Like that's kind of a tough one to justify for 260, I think, you know. It's wild how it was just 15 points, but at 245, it was just so much more attractive. Yeah. And part of that was the missions back then, like favored having one of these 10 inch flyers more yeah. as well. But um, I don't know. I mean, 245 to 260 just feels so much more impactful than you would think 15 points would uh, would feel. But it, it yeah. I agree. It, at 260, it's a lot less attractive than it used to be. It's definitely yeah. significant when you have um, a war, when you have warband options that don't have chaff below seventy five mm-hmm. or yeah. 70, 70, I guess. But that's 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 kind of an expensive chaff, right? Because most chaff are on the on the fifty five ish range, fifty five ish range. At least I don't I don't know most, but I think most well, competitive uh, factions, yeah. like most yeah. factions that are winning tournaments, your chaff is less than sixty points. Yeah. yeah, or you're just not playing chaff, you know. Right. Um, I feel like you don't you don't go in between. Now you do have a tree revenant, which we talked about how amazing they were with their you know teleport ability, is sixty five points. But 
they're pretty weak, right? Three attacks, strength three, one three damage. The first Move two tree forward. revenants I think are really good because of that ability, and I think yeah. after that, like your third and fourth tree revenants are not good. Right. Um, That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not going to be teleporting four tree revenants around the board. In a <laughs> right. Around, right. You know what I mean. <laughs> God, I wish you could. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. It'd be so funny. But you do have, I mean, the spite revenant seventy five, right? And I. Oh, man, I, I almost feel like that needs to be a 70, but maybe I'm wrong. You know? I think it's, I think it's okay. the net capability yeah, that has it have the points. So. Yeah. I think 75 is, I mean, if you're like, we need Sylvaneth to be the strongest faction in the game, then yeah, 75 points by Revenants are not quite doing it. But I think it's right. a perfectly good and serviceable fighter that, you know, I would take to a tournament with a straight face. Um, so if you're look, yeah, if you're looking at heroes, which 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 hero would you take as your leader, or other heroes would you take? Uh, would you take the like the true revenant, like the upped versions of them? Yeah, you know, personally, like, for me, when because I I only play a little bit of Sylvaneth, but like yeah. I took them to uh, the narrative of Adepticon not this year but last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in second edition, the ones I play are the Kurnoth Huntmaster with the sword. Okay. Mm-hmm. The great um, sword. Yeah. I like that 5525 profile. Yeah, that's significant. Yep. Um, and then I like the, uh, the 115 point uh, tree rev scion because um, having a little bit more impressive stats that you're teleporting around feels a little bit more impactful i like that you can teleport and attack obviously with three three two five um you can whiff a lot if you're hitting something that's not toughness three but but it's still pretty reasonable i actually don't have one of those i i like it a lot but i don't have one so the only one i've actually played of those is the uh the 110.1 um and it's been okay it hasn't been amazing but it has been okay and i think the only reason it hasn't been amazing for me is i don't play a ton of treasure missions with my uh with my play group yeah um yeah i we talked we talked about how the arch revenant's a little little high point costed the branch witch and the branch wraith i think are just like non-takeable like they're just not good at all um for what they are I think you can get good value out of all of the Kronoth Hunt Masters, though I would caution about the Great Bow. Um, You know, like it's got... His melee profile's not terrible, given that he also has an okay ranged one, but um, I don't know, 3-4-2-5 for a 255-point fighter isn't isn't, like... I'm not in love with that stat, you know, so... Um, but I do, I do think that like, if you've got a Kurnoth Hunter with a scythe and you're like, oh shoot, I should have put a great blade on it. I still think that you would be happy with the scythe. I mean, it's three, six damage and it has a two inch range too. Right. So, um, you have a little bit more reach. You just have one less attack than the great sword guy. I think it's excellent. Right. Uh, the yeah. only reason I don't run it is because I usually find myself wanting those 30 points, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's a great fighter. I think it's really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, looking at like the Flitwing Scion again, this is a ranged model. I don't know that that can fly. So this That's is one some of the new models. It's so bad. It's so bad. I remember when this came out. They're like, oh, hey, look, everybody, we've got new uh, Sylvaneth like 
four banned cards, and I'm just like, oh gosh, this is just not good, mm-hmm. right? Like for 170 points, like it's two melee attacks at strength three, one three damage, or three ranged attacks, strength three, one four damage. Like you're just, I mean, this guy's someone that's going to fly around and try to cap objectives. That's really what you need this one to do. Like you can't rely on him to to um. Maybe you can try to attack T3. And it's 50 too many points to do that job because you can't be a I fly around and, att- and cap objectives warband unless you have numbers, you yeah. know? Um, and and with a 170-point flyer in your list, you're just not... You're not as likely to have those numbers. And otherwise, yeah. if you don't have numbers, you can only win objective warbands by or missions by being really killy and being like round two, I'm killing three of your fighters round three. Mm-hmm. I'm killing three of your fighters. Now, mm-hmm. you know, how swarmy are you now? Yeah. Um, uh, so, and this just doesn't do that. No, no. Um, I think that the spite rider scion is a little bit better than the flitwing scion, but it's in, still in the same bucket, right? I mean, it has a two inch range four attack, strength four, one, five damage. Um, like you're fishing for crits there with your four attacks, but because it has a 12 inch countered is what you're, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, for, uh, but it has a range of 12 with fly, right? So that's where the points are coming in on 240. Have you ever played with or against a 12 move fighter where you thought like, man, those extra two inches of move actually mattered? No, because if you really needed to get somewhere, you just double move and you're there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I've I've never been like, oh, that twelve inches really did it. You know, um, it was either they double moved and they got to where they needed to, or they didn't. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think that the twelve is really. I've found that those high move differences can matter with mounted units because they have to like swerve around yeah. stuff, and sometimes every inch matters there, but. Yeah, I agree. I found with flying that uh, the difference between 10 and 12 doesn't really do much for me. So we talked about some of the chaff, right? We've got a 65 tree revenant. We figured two of those would be good, right? Anything past two is not great. Uh, You probably want to take a spite revenant, um, just, you know, one or two. Um, The other 70 point model is a dryad, four attacks, uh, strength three, one, three damage. Movement five, toughness three, seventy points. Um, I'm not, I'm not totally against a dryad for seventy points. Like I think that's okay. Um, the problem with the dryad, or it's not really a problem. The only ability the dryad has, other than the universal one, the Sylvanith universal ones, is it has the enrapturing song, um, which. Actually, it's not terrible. Pick a visible enemy fighter within a number of inches of this fighter equal to the value of this ability. Until the end of the battle round, add one to the attacks characteristics of attack actions made by friendly fighters with both Sylvanith, Faction Rumark, and the Scout Rumark that target that fighter. So, like, if you've got a bunch of these, because this is the only fighter, I believe, that has the Scout Rumark. Yeah. Well, the Branch Nymph has it, too. Okay. Yeah, so the branch. Yeah. So if you had a bunch of dryads or a branch nymph and a bunch of dryads, which the branch nymph nymph is essentially the leader of the dryads, right? Yeah. Like, so if you had a bunch of them, then like, I mean, that's kind of like the, um, it's kind of like the, uh, 
isn't there a, a an ability with a necromancer to add one to attacks the skeletons around it or something like that? Or am I thinking they get to fight? Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, you're thinking Van Hell's Dance Macabre, which is a yeah. hundred times better than this because yes. yeah, they get to yes. fight immediately. Right. Um, whereas this is. I've found it to be pretty bad sometimes yep. because you pop this, you spend a triple on it. You only get an on, like you get plus one attack to the, per it does affect the fighter that did it. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. But then they just kill the other one because right. it's, you know, 10 wounds, three toughness. Yeah. Um, dryads are kind of hard to kill in one hit, but if you have two hits, almost everything kills toughness yeah. three ten wounds in two hits so yeah it, it can be tough to set this up um and to really get the value, like, yeah really a silly amount of dryads in which case yeah. you're playing a warband that has a silly amount of dryads yeah. <laughs> I think which, I, which I, is I, not probably very optimized right so yeah <laughs> just just find a way to squeeze five points in and bring a spite revenant and get a four on yeah. your <clears throat> a four on your uh, strength right yeah 100 percent um, let's see the Kurnos, obviously they're great options. I think, um, like the, again, the scythe three attacks, uh, strength five, three, six damage, um, for 185 is not bad. Um, they do have movement four, which I, I believe in Warcry 1.0, they were movement three. I think they gave them an extra movement. Am I right about that? Or am I making that I up? I thought they were four, but they might I have been be four. wrong. For some reason, I thought there were three, but I could be wrong. Um, I have found that uh, I ran these with Kalthia Zandire once, mm -hmm. and I found that she really loved having things that were bigger than, you know, in, in Thunderstrike, to get seven models, you really have to run all the, like, cheaper Stormcast. And uh -huh. she loved having these bigger bodies to, to do her ability on. Um, so that was kind of nice. I do think, I don't think they compare that well to like Stormcasts, the big Stormcasts, the fancy Stormcasts that are the same price as them. Like, uh -huh. you know, the Sequitur with the, or like the Evocator with the really big Grand Stave or, you know, things like that, that, that cost that same points cost. But, um, but they're still good. I mean, you know, just because you're not as good as another fighter doesn't mean you're terrible. Yeah, I mean, I would be looking at, um, you know, your point about the Kronoth with the Great Sword up in the leader profile. I would be looking at this one as well. Like it's a 170 versus 185 with the scythe, you know, four attacks instead of three, strength five, two five damage, right? Instead of three six. So I think that um, the 170, if you're, if you're looking for points, that's exactly where you could get them and still feel like you've got optimal output right there. Mm -hmm. So, um, Sorry, so just the other ones real quick. Gossamid Archer, terrible profile. Like, it's just so bad, you know. Um, two attack, strength three, one two damage on melee, one four on, on you know, range. Um, the Revenant Seeker, um, 165. Again, this is one that can go 10, 10 inches and fly, and that's about all that it's got going for it. It's got three attacks, strength three. 2-4 damage, which the 2-4 is a little bit better than nothing, but still strength 3 with 3 attacks, like you know, that's that's fine. I think that's fine against toughness um, 3 fighters, but... Would you play this at 20 points cheaper? Would you put this in lists if it was 145? 
You know, I would put it. I'd probably put one in there. Which one? You know, uh, the the Revenant Seeker. That's uh, one sixty five. So if it were one forty five. Um, and I'll tell you what, because I do think that this model, it's got 20 wounds, toughness four. This model can hold its own against toughness, a lot of toughness three chaff models. And you could fly them to where you need to maybe clear out some chaff, cap an objective. And mm-hmm. I think it can kill some chaff, right? But it's not killing those fighters, right? It's just like staying alive. Because it's, it's three, three, two, four, right? You're not yeah. killing a toughness yeah. three fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like around, I would need but... it to be like 115 for me to play this. Well, maybe. Maybe 125. But if it had four attacks instead of three, would that make it? If would you play it at 145? Oh, I would definitely play it at 145 with four attacks, because then it can actually kill something. Maybe, maybe. Because yeah. I'm. I don't like playing expensive fighters that can't kill cheap fighters. Because then yeah. if you run into an objective mission against a bunch of cheap fighters, you can't, like, hooray, they can't kill you, but you also mm-hmm. can't kill them, and, and so you just lose on points. Um, I think yeah. it's really expensive for just a model you're going to move around the board. Yep. Yeah. Now, I do think it'll stay alive better than some of the other ones, right? Um, just cause Maybe. I mean, once it, once it gets engaged, it's locked down. And my question is, do you want do you want your speedy quick thing to stay alive? I mean, I guess if you're like, I'm going to go lock down your biggest scariest guy and have him take two rounds to kill this instead of one. But there's but that's a lot of 165 skip. points to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't love that trade. I mean, if it works, if it works and it really does take two rounds, then maybe it's an okay trade. But, you know, if they have any kind of combos, they're like, yeah. like a mega boss, what are the odds that you survive two attacks that are onslaughted with the mega? You know, it's... Right. Yeah. I think a mega bosses could very potentially knock this guy out in one swing. Yeah. If potentially. For sure. Yeah. Um, and if, if we're not loving the Gossamid Archer, we're definitely not going to like the Spite Rider Lancer that is even more points, 185, 20 more points. It's got that extra two movement that we talked about in a horrific uh, melee profile. Yeah, I have this really attacks. terrible condition where when I use 1-5 profiles, I break out in hives. 1-5 <laughs> is so bad. And the worst part about it is you only have three attacks to fish for those crits. I mean, like, you know, the chances of you doing it, like, 50% or whatever. Like, it's not even, you know, it's not even that good. I shouldn't actually say that, because I did happily play Plague Monks when they were 70 points with that 1-5 profile, and you were, like, boosting their attacks with the uh, uh, Plague Priests yeah. and, you know, just, like, really crit fishing, but... That's when, you know, you could really swarm the board with them. Uh, I don't know that I would ever play a Spite Rider Lancer. Which is too bad because both the Gossamid Archer and the Spite Rider Lancer are, like, amazing models. Like, oh, my God. The, unbelievable. The, the Gossamid Archer is my is one of my favorite models of the last few years. It's Yeah, it's incredible. And you're just like, dang it. I wish you would have given him a better profile because I would have gone out and bought those models. Because I love them, right? They're so they're yeah. they're amazing. But um, 
Yeah. So if all right, so taking all of this into account, um, what does a what does a list sort of look like for you guys? Um, what would you what are you trying to build around? Uh, Jason, do you want to go for, or do you want do you want some time? Because I've at least played a Sylvaneth list that I kind of liked. No, I think I can quickly just okay. say I I would probably build a list around the Kurnoths as uh, the main threat that would run around the table with another, you know, heavy hitter. I think the Kurnoffs are probably, and I don't know which ones I would pick right off the bat, but I'd get some chaff that would support my Kurnoffs. That would be, you know, my main threats that would run around to do some damage and then have a, a, a tree revenant in there for the teleport and then decide which hero I wanted that um, could survive long enough to to lock up portions of the board. That's probably what I would do. Yeah. I ended up uh, kind of liking um, a Kurnoth Huntmaster with Kalthia Zandire and then two Kurnoths. So kind of a similar concept to what Jason's saying. And then, uh, you know, two Tree Revs and one Spite Rev is what yeah. I went with. So only seven fighters. But... Um, you know, you have a lot of different abilities you're interested in using, and and uh, Kalthia Zandar giving extra actions to those Kurnoth Hunters is really good, and then, you know, obviously if you net something with the uh, Spite Rev, and then you have the two-inch reach on the Scythe Kurnoth Hunter to kind of wail on it while it can't really respond, that's always pretty good, so um, yeah, I think that has promise, although yeah, if I were playing into something with a lot of objective missions, like if I knew that we were going to do the Warcry Rumble Pack or something, I think I'd want to use Skate's Wild Hunt, which we is probably outside of the scope of this of this pod. Yeah. But um, and I I kind of hesitate to to recommend that because it's out of print, so. Right. Well, good luck getting these too. I mean, the, we were looking at it before the show, and you still the only place to get this stuff is on eBay now, which is over. People are overpricing it. The war band, Oh, really? Sylvanet war, war cry box, anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like you can't get value boxes of Sylvanet. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. You got to go pick them out of the other stuff available. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because I mean I got my um, Sylvanet war cry box. I found one, and it was. Um, $75, but the a box of Kronoth Hunters at the time, the three of them were like 70 Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. um, it was a crazy good deal. So Yeah, it's, it's five free revenants, basically. Yeah. yeah. What's the Vanguard? So I'm just going to check right now. Vanguard on eBay is about 110 bucks. Oh, and it's it's not... Okay, so 110 bucks on eBay, and it's three Kronoths and five revenants. Which does technically make a warband, but that's not what you're. Yeah, I mean it's a perfectly fine deal, but the fact that much of the value of that box is in that tree lord that you can't use in Warcry, and then that branch right. which which is like so so bad. So bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, that's a little tough from a uh, like it's not a budget friendly faction at all. For one that has a forty percent win rate at tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta really love them, I think. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. But I do I, think part of that low win rate is because, you know, there are good fighters in this warband. It's just there's so many beautiful, unplayable fighters that right. I think a lot of people are just bringing in a Flitwing Scion because it's beautiful and and it's losing them games. Yeah. I think I think that's probably pretty accurate. And I, I don't know that the pool of Sylvaneth players is really that large. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, it could be that the ones that are bringing those scions are really dragging that score down. <laughs> you know, right? Right. So, as um, far as people like really min-maxing them, I mean, Eric, I think is the only one that I have seen who goes. And he did good. I mean, that. he took like I think, if I remember correctly, fifth fifth place in our tournament with him. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I think he has both of the three ones that yeah. Sylvaneth has achieved. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And I think that's it. Um, yeah. And they're both him. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, well, hopefully we gave uh, everybody some food for thought. Um, you know, a branch to chew on uh, when thinking about uh, <laughs> when thinking about Sylvaneth. Um, you know, they've been around for so long in Warcry that uh, I think they're often overlooked. So, you know, maybe uh, maybe somebody can come up with some better list than, than we uh, list ideas that we had. So we'd love to hear um, what you have. Our listeners on these uh, on these Warcry podcasts have been really good about putting in like some awesome comments in our YouTube videos, and so we'd love to hear more about what you guys think about Sylvaneth and and how to put together a warband. We're open and uh, you know to any ideas that you guys have. So love to hear that. Uh, all right, let's move on to the last portion of our podcast tonight, uh, which is about um, terrain and terrain features. So uh, we talked about earlier today, just kind of offline as we're getting ready for our um, podcast that, you know, one of the things that would be interesting to know is like um, how to set up a good terrain board um, for Warcry. Like how much is too much? How much is too little? I think the thing that I want to kick this off with is um, there's two ways to do terrain in Warcry, in my opinion. One is to use the terrain cards that are provided in the boxes, um, which I think is perfectly acceptable. If you don't want to think about it, you just want to, you know, be like, okay, here's the terrain board, um, draw a card, boom, that's the setup that we'll use. Um, I think that those are perfectly, um, you know, uh, good. What I have found oftentimes, especially as we're running events, is that you like beggars can't be choosers. We don't have like enough terrain to like match those cards perfectly. So we got to like get super creative with how we do our tables. Mm-hmm. And so you get a mix and match a lot. And um, they look very different than those battle, those battle plan cards. So if you've got the battle plan cards and you want to use those, like do it, go for it. But if you don't, if you want to kind of set it up the way that you want, I'm going to read in the core rule book on page 61, in the lower left-hand corner, what it says about alternative terrain rules, because I think that this is going to shape our discussion quite a bit. Um, It says, if players do not have a set of battle plan cards or wish to use different terrain features from their collection, the following rules can be used to set up the battlefield terrain instead. One, one of the players sets up the terrain features on the battlefield in any arrangement they desire. So, okay, just move it all around, right? Two... There must be at least two terrain features in each quarter of the of the battlefield. Three, terrain is set up before any other battle plan cards are drawn. So before you draw the mission plan, before you draw all those other ones, 
they need to be set up. So the three main points that they have there is one player does it. It's not like I set one, you set one, I set one, you set one. Just, you know, and, and look, if you're just playing with your buddy, you both sort of just set it up and you're like, does that look good? Yeah. But yeah. I think that the I think that the, the the main thing here is that it recommends that there be at least two terrain features in each quarter of the battlefield. So what does that mean though? Two terrain features. What does that mean? I would argue that they they think that say these awful terrain sets that we've gotten in the last few boxes, not awful, but too small. Uh, mm-hmm. terrain sets that we've gotten in the last few boxes i would say they think that counts because it's three big pieces and like six or maybe not six or uh like five i think uh small pieces but mm-hmm. that's eight and so then it's like but to me when i read that i think of one big and one little in every quarter yeah um and so at least so that's I'm- where i go with it so I'm going to say this. Um, further on in the core rulebook on page 72, it says in every Warcry battle, there will be one or more terrain features. Okay. Feature uh, fighters can interact with terrain features in numerous ways when making moves. And so then it lists out some of the terrain features. One are obstacles, which are like walls. Two is low terrain, right? Um, three is platforms. Four is deadly terrain. Five is unscalable terrain. Six is stairs and ladders. Um, seven is archways and doors. So those are all considered terrain features. Mm-hmm. So, and I think you are absolutely correct when you're saying, um, I believe that GW looks at their board that was pretty skimpy and they say, hey, um, you know, we have more than two terrain features here. Um, in this thing. And in fact, um, let me um, pull up the, uh, see, here's the board right here, right? So you've got, you've got in this quadrant right here, you've got one, two, three and a half here, <laughs> right? And that uh, little, yeah, the, that oh, little ridge that, that one right, there, right? One, two, yeah, you got here, you got one, two, there's probably another one here. There are exactly right? eight pieces of terrain on that board right there. They are claiming, you know, according to them, they are matching the core rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But we look at this and we say, this is light. Like it is super skimpy, right? And I wouldn't for- call that unplayable. It's definitely, it's, it's enough to be playable, but it's, yeah, it is light. Yeah. So um, we have. Um, all right, so in an ideal world, let me ask you this question. And then I've got some pictures of like terrain layouts that we can kind of evaluate based on some of the criteria that we've set up. So in your ideal world, Dan, what does um, terrain look like um, on a Warcry board? And we're talking, look, l- l- let me back up too. Sorry. Um, narrative, you may need to set it up a certain way you might be making an assault on a fortress you might be you know having to like barricade yourself into somewhere so narrative we're not talking really about that because i think that you set those up according to the narrative play that you want to do right um we're talking about match play or open play um how do you how in an ideal world how would you set up your terrain like if you're setting up for a tournament what does that look like um i i do lean towards rule of cool yeah. Right. So 
I would say either it should be sort of uh, dense, spread out, and vaguely symmetrical, or it should look like a real place. And as long as it's doing one of those two things, or like e either of those solutions, I think work really well for me. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the boards that look like a real place, they often are pretty dense in terrain anyway, because it's like, that's how you build the, you know, the, the character of the place. Um, but but if, it, if you can't make it look like you're telling a story on this board, then just having a very symmetrical so that it's competitively balanced and then, you know, dense dense enough to really make people think, then I think you're in a good spot. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Jason? What does your ideal board look like if you're setting up for a tournament? I used to think that asymmetry, I enjoyed asymmetry, and then I enjoyed the roll-off to determine who mm. got to decide. But I've, what I found most of the time is that at tournaments and other things, you're already sitting down, and it's like, I'm just going to stay over on this side because this is where I'm sitting. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, okay. yeah. So at that point, I'm like, let's make it symmetric. You know, it can it can look visually appealing. It doesn't have to be that you have a two inch wall, one inch from your center, and I have a two inch wall, one inch from my center. But we both have obstacles near our deployment zones and things like that. I'm fine with symmetry. I think I've gotten a little little more lackadaisical about it. Um, mm -hmm. I do think that um, uh, the monsters have driven a lot of people to think about how terrain's placed to try to restrict monster movement. Um, but um, I know when we played um, Gen Con tournament last year, uh, the guy who put th through that tournament together last, you know, the last moment, you know, bless his heart, he brought what he had. But that was like super terrain light. There was like was. Two, pe two pieces of terrain on every board. Mm -hmm. um, and it was... It, it was hard to utilize that terrain to play a game of Warcry, uh, to be honest. Um, I think what we're looking at here, I stand by my statement earlier, I think all of the terrain, in my opinion, needs to be interactive, meaning I either can climb up it, mm -hmm. I can move under it, I can be on top of it. When I look at this pyramid, I think it's just eating up a huge portion of the board that yeah. will never be played. And people are either just going to run around it, or flyers will jump up on top of it, and then you just ignore the flyer because I don't want to waste time to get up to you. Yep. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So that's my. I like symmetry, and I like I like terrain. I like dense terrain, and I like terrain that can be engaged in all aspects. Climate, go under it, go on top of it, that kind of stuff. Which really goes towards a lot of platforms. Yeah. So I have some general rules that I like to follow. I mean, they're kind of internal rules. So um, maybe they're really strong guidelines more for myself, you know, mm -hmm. as I'm trying to set it up. But um, I... I thought your boards at Nova were really good, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, one of the things... So I've got a lot of different terrain. I, I mean, I've got a lot of sets of actual GW terrain, right? I, in fact, I don't have any sets that are not GW terrain. Um, but I have like the Warcry starter set, right? The very brand new one. I've got uh, Red Harvest. Mm -hmm. I have the Blasted Hollow Heart Lands one. I've got two of the um, uh, Sylvaneth tree, sets of the Sylvaneth trees. I've got two mausoleum, kind of the Defiled Ruins mausoleum um, type stuff, right? So I've got a bunch of different things. 
And um, so one of my first strong guidelines is that I feel like you need a big piece in each quadrant. You should have at least one big piece in each quadrant. Now that big piece could be a sylvanic tree. You know what I mean? Like one of the one of the citadel trees. Like I think I think that that's big enough to be a big piece on one quadrant. But you should have something that you could try to climb on, or forces you to go around, or something like that. So you want to? I, I think you need at least like one one quadrant, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, um, you do need to incorporate firing lanes, um, and those firing lanes also become passage lanes. Like you, I don't think you want to put so much terrain and so much blocking things that it becomes a maze to try to get through. Like you need to be able to let people get to a center. You need to let people get to the outsides. You do need sort of those lanes that people. A can fifty get millimeter base should be able to traverse the board. That's important. Yeah. That's really yeah. important. Yeah. So um, I have seen boards where there's so much stuff on there that it's just like. Well, it's going to take me three turns to get from my deployment zone to just to the center because I have to like go around or go over or go under like different things, right? So yeah. Um. So I think so. I think I start with quadrants, right? Like I said, like I'd like to try to put one thing in each quadrant, and then I kind of fill it. Now I might nudge some things, um, so that I can put a bridge or you know a connecting thing. So, like, I'm not talking about putting one big thing in the middle of each quadrant, but that I, I like to break, break up the board into fours and kind of go through there. Um, scatter terrain, I do like to um, put it in places where, you know, you would say, like, okay, this is an easy route to go through. Let's maybe make it a little bit more difficult so that it's just not a freeway leading into, the you know, one spot, but it's not... It, you know, it may make the uh, make you make a decision on which way to go around, and it you know it'll take some movement to do that. But um, you know, it's it, it provides visual interest, but also some functionality as well. There, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one rule that I have made for myself, and this is kind of an unbreakable rule: do not put a piece of terrain right in the center of the board. Um, and the reason for that is that most mission objective missions have a center objective, right? And you you most of them say that you can't put it on a terrain platform or piece. So so if you're looking at building a board, don't put a mausoleum centerpiece in there. I know it looks really cool as like a oh sure okay, you know what I'm saying? But like don't put don't put a platform, don't put a tree right in the middle of the board. Don't put something there that you can't put an objective down and contest for it because a lot of the objective missions do have a center objective um, at one point or another. So keep that in mind. Also, I would keep in mind that usually, um, you know, six inches up, eight inches in or something like that, like that area right there, you want to keep sort of clear because a lot of objective missions will also put objectives um in that area so you know you may you may want to just twist that that ruin a little bit to allow for you to easily put down an objective marker um so that you know it's not just sitting right on top of where it would be so um you can kind of eyeball that and people can sort of adjust the ruins a little bit to put down the marker but if you can eyeball it you know just be like i know that i you know this little area Mm -hmm. right here around six inches in eight inches you know or six inches up eight inches in or whatever it is um, just don't don't put a whole bunch of terrain in that one in the, in those quadrant spots. I read. Uh, I think, 
Go ahead. Oh, Go ahead, Dan. Oh, I was going to say, I kind of think one one uh, sort of exception to that is when you have the multi-level terrain where it's mm -hmm. kind of easy to get stuff under. So you've got like a sure. platform and then sure. area under it. Especially, yeah, the red harvest is great for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so that can be kind of cool. Uh, or, you know, sometimes if you have like two inch tall terrain, like putting a uh, little you know, walkway over that center mm -hmm. line or one of those mm -hmm. eight, six lines. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, if I'm on the walkway, am I counting? Okay. Yes. But only if I'm like right on it. And then right. like someone can be three inches away on the battlefield floor and counting, but I can only be one inch away on the walkway and counting. And I actually yeah. find that that creates some kind of fun situations. hundred percent. Yeah. I read an article once that uh, really resonated with me is that in the center the center area of the board you should you should never have terrain uh like walls and buildings that provide blockage with cover back towards the edge of the board so that means if you're if you decide to go into the center and you're in some of those kind of early warcry one terrain right that were like the ruins with the walls and the platforms on them those yeah. are turned such that if you're under the platform you're exposed to the center of the board uh, so oh, that you sure. can't, so that you can't kind of come in and try to get near that objective, but still be back hidden behind, so that people have to go all the way around to get to you. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to come into the board to fight in the center, you're going to be exposed to the center, whereas people on the outside might still have to get uh, to terrain uh, mm -hmm. through terrain to get for you. That resonated a lot with me because yeah. I played on, I played a couple tournaments where um, there was there was a terrain piece that was placed very close to the center on my opponent's side with a door right there. And so he just had his guys hiding on the other side of that wall until it was his turn. Then he piled through the door right onto the objective. And like, I couldn't get oh. there because my terrain piece was flipped the other way without a door. Oh. So I had to like walk all the way around and he just kind of went zoop right through the door to the, yep. to the train and then it went zoop right back through <laughs> so that I couldn't reach him to attack him. Mm -hmm. So something to think about. And one minor issue also with those uh, original terrain sets, I think the original terrain sets amazing, but the doors, I have gone through and painted all of my doors a different yes. color than what's around. Oh, it's so easy to forget them. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. So like I, everything, yeah. it's you know if the if the gate is if the main grate is steel, the door is gold. You know yeah. if the it's it's always because otherwise it's too easy to forget. Yeah, I'm just gonna paint mine pink, hot pink. Yeah, hot pink. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So those are generally kind of the rules. Um, I will say this too. I like to. Um, there's there's um, two rules that I like to house rule when I'm running a uh, two terrain rules that I house rule when I'm running a, tur uh, a tournament. Number one, um, I use the hoist rule from um, Red Harvest. I think it's really good, which is if it's three inches from the uh, platform to the bottom, you can jump up to that if you've got the movement, right? Um, you could basically, it's basically like grabbing and hoisting yourself up. Um, so you don't have to have a walkway or a ladder. Now you can't do it for something that's like six inches high. Do you know what I mean? But the idea is that you could, your model could reach up and pull themselves up. So, um, a lot of the bamboo ladders, like if they are only like, mm. you know, less than three inches high that they, mm. you could kind of hoist up. You don't have to go all the way over to the tree and then up. Um, so I do like to play that in my tournament. So, 
um, you know, you don't have to worry about some of those three inch terrain ones. So let's go into some of these specific examples that you, uh, I think you have up here. So the first one, uh, wait, hold on. I think we recognize this one, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I I sent that one over. Yeah. yeah, You sent this one over. So we're looking top down on a board, right? Long edge is on the right. Short edge is on the top. So So this is uh, vertical looking. Yeah. yeah, this is all of the big stuff in Red Harvest with mm-hmm. none of the little, oh, only one piece of little scatter. Because uh, I find Red Harvest, when you use all the scatter terrain, is like the type of maze that can just be very, very yes. punishing for a lot of warbands to do really anything on. Um, but and so one way they fix that in the terrain cards for Red Harvest is they usually don't let you put all of the big things on there. They usually mm-hmm. just have like one of the delving, like one of the mines and like one of the platforms and then all the scatter. Mm-hmm. But I just think the big pieces are so cool. Like so why good. wouldn't why wouldn't yeah. you use them? So I ended up playing this and set up and I've kind of moved it around a few times and really enjoyed it where it's just it's all the big pieces and then no scatter because just mm-hmm. adding scatter would just be too much um here, yeah so here's what i love it. about your setup here right um one you've got so if you look at this right this is big piece number one here you could count it towards this sort of quadrant here you've got big piece in this quadrant big piece in this quadrant big piece in this quadrant right so you've taken four big pieces here um, and then, but you you have moved them, right? So some of them are over some of the lines, but you moved them close enough where you get to use these um, these uh, bridges uh, mm-hmm. at different heights, which is really cool because then it interconnects it. So you have a very much a top filled battle, you know, battle area, and then, and then a bottom battle area where you can really um, really go. Um, and the this... bobsled tracks feel like yep. more than just a piece of terrain. Yes, um, when yeah. you play with them. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is um, in Nova, I had this bobsled track go down one of the like the middle of this. Cool. And it uh, poor JJ got wrecked by this. Um, and <laughs> I think somebody else did on that table because he had a um, um, he had the Varengard and it kept him basically on this side of the board. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because he couldn't climb, the Vanguard couldn't climb up over it. Now, the little fighters were, like, bouncing back and forth like crazy because mm-hmm. it was easy for them to get up and over, right? But the Varengard and the Gorgrunta, I think Justin Orton played on that same one, and the Gorgrunta had a hard time getting around um, the, the bobsled track. And so here it's interesting. If you have a deployment group coming in here, this could cause some problems depending on it, like coming in. You but do it's not have a bad thing. under that walkway there. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have space to get through there, but yep. but yep. that's fair. 100%. Mounted mounted fighters in general do um, do have an issue with red harvest. Mounted fighters don't. Yeah, love. but you know, I mean, let's say your mounted fighter starts here. You just know that they're going to go this way, right? Instead of up mm-hmm. and over, which yeah, is totally yeah. fine, right? I mean, it, you you have options. I think I probably would have put a little like one of these little scatter terrains right here. Mm. Um, and the only reason why is then it makes them take a choice of like right or left, but it's not totally impactful 
you know what I mean? So it would have been massively impactful in that game, though, because that's a oh, that's an objective marker. Oh, this right is an there. objective. You're 100. And correct. so we actually had a really big fight around that objective. <laughs> oh, nice. So yeah. a, a piece of scattered terrain. You know, I'm not saying it would have been bad. It just it really yeah. would have changed how the game played out. One of the things that I like about this scattered terrain right here is it is a deadly terrain. Um, and so I do like to put them in places where it's like, well, crap, do I need to go over this to get to where I need to go? Yeah. Because yeah. then they have to make a choice of like, is it worth it to take the wounds to go? And sometimes people do, right? Because they have to. So, yeah. But otherwise, I love the board. Um, it's open without being too open, and it's got a lot of height on it, mm -hmm. too. So, yeah, really good setup. Uh, let's look at this one. So this is something that someone painted. This is the original board. You can kind of see the edges here. They put the bell tower right in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, and then they've got sort of this terrain on the outside. And then the um, the statue with the platform on its head sort of in this quadrant right here. Um, how do you feel about this, this terrain here? Is this just uh, put up for display of painting? Maybe. It yeah. might be. Yeah. I think this would be fine for Warcry 1.0. Where there, yeah. you know, the early stuff where there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of mounted. It was just people on foot running around chasing each other, swinging axes. Yeah. And there was some early and cards. Small you could bases. Bring yeah, small bases. There were some, mm -hmm. some flyers here and there based off of the card packs you could get. I think it's fine. I think for now it's way too dense. I've played think, games yeah. where the objective is in the center bottom of the bell tower before. Uh -huh. And it's not my favorite, right? Because um, you just can't get a lot of you can't get a lot of fighters in there. If there's a fighter in there, it's like you have arguments about who's allowed to attack them and who isn't because of you <laughs> right. know where the wooden slats and where the columns are, and it's mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's not the best uh, experience. I still love the bell tower as a terrain piece. I just prefer it uh, not in the exact center. Well, and this goes back to what I said. Try not to put a terrain piece right in the middle, right? Like if you moved it just off center a little bit, then that could provide some interesting, you know, effects with it. Even if the objective was under the ladder, I mean, that might be that's better. Still kind have, of a pain, but it's still I've better. I've also right? played with it under the ladder, and it I didn't yeah. have any of those problems. Yep. Yeah. So, um, if this were a Reaper mission, I don't think it would be that big of a problem. In fact, it might be kind of cool to have dudes like running on the outside of the edge of the board, right? Um, but if this is an objective mission, I think, like Jason said, it's it's it might be a little tough right there, right? Um, let's see. Here's Red Harvest again. Um, my issue with this board here, the way it is, well, this is interesting because this bobsled track that they set up right here really cuts off that side of the board. Yeah. You know, and so there's no clear path for them to get into the middle if they need to. Um and then this bobsled track here, to me, it almost does nothing for the board. It's just running along the edge. Nobody's going to really interact with this. Um, I mean, you know, if there's depending. a deployment zone over there. There's like usually right a deployment zone over there. And then it's like, yeah. well, now you get minus one move if you want to get out of your deployment zone. Yeah. I mean, that. I kind of. I, I don't I don't love the, you know, Delver, like, all the way here in the corner. Like, what are you going to mm -hmm. do with it? You know what I mean? So, Yeah. I have Just learned with Red Harvest, kind of to echo your point, like when the tall bobsled track is really long, 
-hmm. that can create some uh, feel bads. I think yeah. that you can um, you can solve that with a tiny little staircase on one side of the bobsled mm. track because then sure. mounted guys can use it. Right? So put yeah, like yeah, one of these ladders, ladders or something. Yeah, well, or put a ladder, but call it a staircase. Yeah, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Just a little ramp that allows you maybe from a board edge to launch over it into the center to get into to get into combat, but that's but not cool. be able to maybe get back over. So you kind of got to, I can get in, but I can't get You've out. you got to commit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but and I'm you with can you. just this use is a little... those ramps to do that because they right. come yeah. with a set. Yeah, that's cool. Right. So but I'm basically, this you... is a little close to the edge. Yeah, yeah. This one right here, this yeah. bottom one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so when you launch over and you're in, you can't get out. You can say, I'm not stuck in here with you. You're stuck in here <laughs> with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, all right. So this next one again, uh, red harvest. Are we only doing red harvest today? <laughs> no, I have other ones, but um, at least I thought I had other ones. But hey, uh, look, there's the ramp example right there. Yeah, 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 that's right great. there. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I do like how they did connect the bobsled. Now they use both bobsleds here, right? That like, um, I feel like it's duplicative, but it's okay. It's kind of um, interesting. You yeah. can't deploy in this one. No, you can't. Yeah, uh, it is a little crazy, isn't it? <laughs> if you, but this is, I think this board is great if you just take out that one spike that's in the center of the right side of the board there. This right here. Uh, the deadly terrain, sorry, uh, like a little higher and to the right. right yeah, there, if yeah. you take okay. out that deadly terrain, because you, you literally cannot deploy if you end up, because there's a ton of missions where you deploy right there. Yeah. Uh, and you cannot deploy. But if you just take out that piece of terrain, I think this is good. I yeah. like it. All right. So here's a starter box again. Um, again, I, I try to avoid, to me, I'm like, I try to avoid this middle one, right? Because it very much states in the objectives in the core rule book that if, unless it says that you can put it anywhere on the objective, anywhere on the battlefield, it has to be on the uh, floor, not it cannot be on a terrain feature, right? So well, look at all that empty space back there. You can just push it right. over and then you're good. Right, exactly. There's a ton of empty 100%. space back there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not crazy about this barricade wall that happened right here. I think this you is know? for display again, right? Because again, yeah. there's a ton of empty space over on all this terrain is pushed as far towards the camera as it'll go. I think this yeah. is for display and uh i think if you kind of toss that scatter terrain over into that massive empty space back there i right. think this is great you know yeah. yeah i really like how they've set up the um the ruined buildings on the two sides uh yeah. because that makes this feel like a ruined town like it it feels like a place and i'm yeah. really big into when people get their boards such that it feels like a place I think it's a really good point, right? Like you've got like these kind of starting areas, and I think if uh, you broke this up to, and I mean, like, yeah, who puts scattered terrain like this, right? This is definitely display, um, kind of what they're doing. But just move this around. Um, I will say that I have seen people set up boards where you have these chained together, these uh, dangerous terrain uh, barricades, and um, you have to be very careful about chaining these together. Otherwise, you've caused people to go all the way around, right? To to do it so um it should prevent maybe a straight line movement but it shouldn't prevent like a you know a, 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 an around it movement yeah, you opinion. get a little bit of and i think this is a display too but we'll just use it as a case study right yeah now. Mm -hmm. it's a little unfair 
on the deployments because yeah. one yeah, person yeah. is extremely squished and limited in his ability to get engaged. Well, the other person's got massive amounts of space to decide what he wants to do with his deployments. Yeah. yeah. All right. Last one I have. Um, this is, I'm going to zoom in. Hopefully that helps. Um, all right. So um, this is pretty much like what I think is, again, this is probably a little bit of a display um, because it's, basically every piece in the starter set yeah. um, that is here on the table. Um, I don't think it's terrible, but it does feel a little squished. Like there's a lot of open space in the, like this Northwest or Northeast corner right here. And there's some space down here in the Southeast one. So it does yeah. feel kind of heavy. Take towards... some of those scatter pieces that are near the camera and put them in the empty space. That's far from the camera. And then yeah. I think you've got a good board again. Yeah. 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 So, and I would probably take this whole massive thing. I like it being connected, but I would shift it um, down this way, okay. right to the to the lower right, to get it off of that center piece right there, so that you can put an objective right there. But just shift that down a little bit. Um, take some of the scattered terrain and put it up here, and maybe down there. And I think you've got a really Is good. Is that board. where the center? I think. I think like right of here, the. Right? I think it's a little further up. I think it's, it's by here? that scattered. Oh, oh maybe, maybe not. Is. Tough to say. It's hard because it's a little bit grainy, but yeah. But I I still think I would push it down just a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, and just open up that middle a little bit more, um, because you do want people to kind of meet in the middle. We want everybody Someone to meet in the, the middle. Foresight not to glue their stairs to the bell tower, like it says in the instructions. <laughs> I uh I almost did that, and then I was like, I saw somebody on I think Reddit or Facebook or something like, watch this video first. Don't don't glue anything. Yeah, you know. Yep. So, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So hopefully this was helpful for some people. Um, you know, I I think uh, it's a little tricky with some of the um, you know, gnarled wood terrain that we have because some of those trees are so dominant um, on the board. Uh, but, and, you know, you've got bridges that have to connect them. So, and they're incredibly dominant in the like the sleeve space above oh, the board geez. when you reach for stuff. It's the worst. You have to do <laughs> short sleeve shirts for sure. Yeah. You cannot, you, you cannot play gnarled wood in the winter. It just cannot be done. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true very true something to think about so um but look when you're using other sets like um the mausoleum or the you know the soul drain forest um those types of things uh one thing that i would that i would add is that it's always great to have um kind of three-dimensional terrain meaning that you can go up heights and unfortunately, the mausoleum doesn't have really anything that you can climb on. So yep. um, I always like taking the mausoleum pieces because I think they're amazing. I think they're awesome. But I always like taking them and augmenting, right? So I might take something like half of this terrain, not even half, maybe even like a quarter, and put it on the board and then throw some mausoleum pieces in there. So it blocks line of sight. It blocks movement, they, you know, forcing you to have to move around. But there are still some three-dimensional aspects on that board. So I wouldn't Great do point. A... I split up my soul yeah. drain forest the same way. I've actually mm -hmm. split it across three different boards. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So try, you know, try to vary it up and actually you get some really cool, interesting boards that way when you are able to split that up and, and make things, I will say one other house rule. I don't know if you do this, Dan, but with my soul drain forest trees to make them a little bit more interesting and interactive, um, you know how they have kind of the crescent bases 
I say that any shooting attack that crosses those bases, the person gets cover in those. Oh, interesting. Like there's secretly a bunch of bushes on those base, yeah. bases, something yeah. like that. Cool. Yeah, you're shooting into a forest, forested area, right? Yeah, um, and I so, thought of that. That's so I think idea. it help. I think it helps a little bit because make it more than just a you know piece of terrain on the board. It actually does something. Mm-hmm. So um, I think cover and, is a generally overlooked rule in a lot of games. People tend yeah. to forget about it. One frustrating thing for me is how well the kill team terrain is designed for cover, mm-hmm. given that I think for fantasy terrain, they just figured like, as long as it looks cool and you can climb on it, then it's good enough. But, you know, it, it'd be nice to have some thought put into line of sight situations. Um, yeah. We just don't shoot as much. Well, we you used know. to. Right, I we know. don't anymore, but yeah. you know, late 1.0, there was tons of shooting everywhere. Um, yeah, that's true. And we're shooting more and more now that people are starting to figure out how to make Caradron overlords work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true, very true. Well, that's our show for you guys tonight. Uh, I know we went a little over time, Jason. I apologize. So you know, <laughs> hey, we're right where I predicted. I said one <laughs> one twenty. <laughs> 120 minutes but well well two hours right (laughs) oh yeah yeah 120 minutes yeah based off of uh based off of the agenda but good topics yeah very good topics very good topics thank you as always dan for coming on and jason for being here with me and uh you know we uh thank you the listeners for um putting up with us and uh listening to our musings and ramblings as we go through these different topics and uh if you've got any questions for us feel free to join our discord below We've got a very budding Warcry community that um, we actually have, a, a, I think, a really good group in there that uh, loves to talk Warcry and other games, too, such as RPGs uh, and board games. So if you're interested, join us at our um, Tabletop and Beyond Discord that is below. And um, otherwise, we will see you at the at the tables. Have a great night. See ya. See ya.